Good morning, everyone. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. And I know that God's got a good word for you today. Would you join me in looking in your Bible? Open your Bible. And today we'll surprise you. We're in Matthew's Gospel. And so if you'll find Matthew's Gospel today, and we're going to look in chapter number 21. I felt impressed to uh, look at this passage of Scripture today, setting up Easter week and on this Palm Sunday, looking forward to all that this week means for all of us. I hope that you will make it an important part of your week to come and join us for the daily services at noon this week. God's got a good word for you and for your heart uh, this Easter week as we prepare. And so, and then do not miss Friday night. Friday night will be a very moving service as we're going to look at miracles around the cross. And uh, Brother Jay and myself will be preaching that evening. We're going to have the Lord's Supper together, communion, and it's going to be a sweet time on Friday night. Amen. Now today, we're thinking about Palm Sunday. What is Palm Sunday? Well, it's really about the triumphal entry of Jesus in the last week of his life and how they celebrated the coming of the Messiah on that day. And today's question is, are you celebrating the Messiah? And how are you celebrating the Messiah? And how do we celebrate the Messiah? And so I want us to think about that from this text today. We'll look at other Uh, text of the same story that is found in the other Gospels as well today. In chapter 21, verse 1, when they approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives. Jesus then sent two disciples, telling them, go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken to the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt, and then they laid their clothes on them and sat on them. And a very large crowd spread their clothes on the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was an uproar, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Amen. Heavenly Father, Today, as we think about celebrating the Messiah, we think about that Palm Sunday so many years ago and Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. 
Father, and how the masses praised him, and Father, how glory was directed to him, and Father, how scripture was fulfilled, Lord, and how Jesus was on a mission to redeem us. Oh, Father, as we think on these things today, speak to our hearts about our walk with you, about how we're living our lives, about whether we're bringing honor and glory to you in the way that we live and serve. Oh, Father, today, I pray that we'll be encouraged in our faith and strengthened to live for you. Thank you, Father, for these baptisms we've witnessed today and last Sunday as well. And Father, may we live crucified to our old way of life and raised to a new way of life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A little bit of a background to this Palm Sunday and triumphant entry of Jesus. Jesus was coming back to Judea again. He was, had his face set like flint toward Jerusalem to fulfill the mission that God had for him. Christ was not a victim. He was carrying out the very mission that the Father had called him to carry out. He came as he made his way back toward Judea again. He went through Jericho. And on his way through Jericho, there were two blind men that were crying out, Son of David, have mercy on us. One of them was a man named Bartimaeus. And there Jesus healed him. And then he comes into the city of Jericho. And there he meets a tax collector, a short, wee little man. Well, sing a song about him in Sunday school, right? What's his name? He's like, good, you went to Sunday school somewhere in your past. And he was, and uh, Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus, and he was gloriously confronted with his own sin and was saved and restored as a son of Abraham. It was a glorious story. Throngs of people are following Jesus as he makes his way to Jerusalem. Now, they, Jesus was not the only one. Throngs and masses were headed toward Jerusalem because it was one of the high and holy weeks in the nation of Israel. It was Passover, and Passover was a time to remember and to celebrate all that God had done in redeeming the children of Israel out of bondage and slavery and bringing them into the land that he had promised. Passover was about remembering how God provided a lamb and that the wrath of God came upon Egypt, but those that were underneath the blood were saved. And then they were brought through the Red Sea and the slaves now become a nation and it's the nation of Israel. It was to be remembered as Moses dictated from the Lord as an annual feast in the nation of Israel and it was one of the most holy Moments. Pilgrims were coming from all over to be in the city of Jerusalem for that day. Jesus comes to a little village just outside of Jerusalem near the Mount of Olives called Bethany. He's not within the walled city of Jerusalem, but he's in a little village just a short way away, and he's at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You know their story, don't you? And Lazarus is the one who had been raised from the dead. And scores and scores and scores of people had come to see Lazarus, talk to Lazarus, and hear Lazarus' story, how that Jesus had raised him from the dead. And it was a living testimony that Jesus was unlike any other man. 
As a matter of fact, it so irritated the uh, religious officials that they sought ways to, to kill him and to destroy him and tried to threaten him and shut him up. How do you threaten a man that was once dead and then been raised alive? If you don't shut up, we're going to kill you. Oh, yeah, I've done that. The Lord's going to take care of me. And so he's staying at their home, and he will enter into Jerusalem on that Sunday. The city was astir with anticipation. There's lots of conversation happening among all the pilgrims. Who is this mighty prophet? Who is this prophet from Galilee? Who is this prophet from Nazareth? Who is this Jesus? Stories were told about those who had been possessed by demons had been set free. Those who had had diseases had been healed. Those whose lives were a wreck had been restored. Is this Jesus? Is he the Messiah? Could he be the Messiah? Could he be the one that would set up a kingdom here and cast off the Roman rule and the restraint that is on us? Is this the hope of the coming of the Messiah, the king ruler who would restore Israel to its future glory? And so the city was astir with all of this. Well, Jesus is in Bethany. You remember the story. In John's Gospel, chapter 12, it tells us that while he's there, Mary and Martha are there, Mary, Martha is serving, and Mary comes to the feet of Jesus. Jesus' feet, she anoints it with costly perfume, a pound of pure nard, and she anoints his feet with that perfume and wipes it with her hair. Judas, one of the disciples who was in charge of the treasury, and we know that betrayal is in his heart. He said, why waste all of this money? That, that perfume could have been sold for 300 denarii. Now, 300 denarii is a, de a man's wage for a day is a denarii. That's nearly a year worth of, of income. And it's wasted. But Jesus says it's not wasted. What she has done will be remembered forever. And she's anointed my body before my death. So it's Sunday. And Jesus sends two of his disciples to go to another little village near Bethany. And he says, you, there you'll find a donkey that no one has ever ridden. And I want you to unleash that donkey and bring it to me. There are throngs of people praising his name. And so whenever Jesus comes and gets on the donkey, they lay their garments on the, full of the donkey. This is a donkey that no one had ever ridden. And they're parading Jesus down the road that winds from the Mount of Olives. And as it winds its way down, it goes through Gethsemane and then through the Kidron Valley and then back up into the walled city. And people are lining the roadway and they're praising God. It is people who have been healed and freed and believers and the hopeful and the curious and even critics were there. And the majority of them were shouting and celebrating Jesus, Hosanna, Lord, save us. Deliver us. 
Blessed is he. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're lavishing their praise and blessing on him. And they're giving testimony. This is the Messiah, God's son, our king. Wow. What a glorious day. Can you imagine what that was like? Now, the question I have for you, are you celebrating the Messiah today? Are you celebrating the Messiah? And how do we celebrate the Messiah? And when are we celebrating the Messiah? First of all, the first point I want to make today in this, we celebrate the Messiah when you obey Christ's commands. Listen, if you're living in disobedience, you're not obeying, you're not celebrating the Messiah. Now, it's very interesting. Jesus says to two of his disciples, what I want you to do, boys, would you two, I got a special job for you. I want you to go in to that little village, and I want you to find there, you'll find a a donkey. And these boys were called to the donkey ministry. I'll avoid a joke right here. And you'll find another little colt to that donkey. And when you go inside this village, I want you to untie them and bring them to me. That's our top secret mission, Lord. Everybody else gets to sit in here and be fed and at your feet. And, and No, but they don't object. They do not have that attitude. They said, yes, Lord. Okay. And then you want to untie it. And they say, well, Lord... I think they're anticipating, what if somebody says, what, what are you boys doing? He said, if somebody asks you, you just tell them the Lord has need of it. <laughs> and you know what they did? Number one, they believed Jesus. Folks, you'll never obey Jesus if you don't believe him. Amen. And they believed him. Secondly, they followed him. Jesus said, follow me. And these boys had made a decision many years before that they were going to follow Jesus. Jesus said, you follow me and I'll make you to become what you aren't now. Follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. Part of, part of uh, listen, you cannot be a disciple and not follow Jesus. They follow Jesus. And thirdly, I want you to understand they submit to Jesus. You will never follow Jesus if you're not submitting to him, yielding to his authority in your life. And then they were used by, by the Lord. He says the instructions that they gave him was used to bring glory and honor to God's name. And as a matter of fact, Scripture was fulfilled when they did that simple act of obedience. Now listen to me this morning. There's some of you, God has asked you to do something and it might seem menial, menial to you. It may, not, it may seem like it's not all that important to you. But if God has asked you to do it, then you should obey him. Disobedience never brings glory to God. Only obedience brings him glory. You cannot celebrate the Messiah and live in disobedience. And partial obedience, my friend, is disobedience. What has God said to you that you've refused to do? What has God asked of you that you're balking at doing? Where is that place where God said, I want you to do this? And you said, no, I won't do it. It's at that place and at that moment that you quit 
following Jesus. Whenever you've said, that seems beneath me, that seems silly to me, no one else is doing it, that's disobedience. But when we obey, we are preparing for praise and glory of King Jesus. Obedience is, is rooted in submission to his authority. One of the first, the very first king of Israel was a man named Saul. Saul was head and shoulders taller than the other men. He was a mighty man of warrior, a valiant warrior, a mighty man. He was anointed by the Spirit of God. He often was caught up with the prophets and prophesied with the prophets. They even said concerning King Saul that Saul is among the prophets now. He speaks like them. He's consumed and overcome by the Spirit of God. Yet there was a problem in Saul. And the problem in Saul was that Saul did not submit to authority and God's authority in his life. Saul thought he knew better than what God's word was. And the prophet Samuel, the man of God, Samuel, said to Saul, I want you to wait for me and not offer sacrifices until I get there. And Saul gets nervous at Gilgal along with his men, and Saul goes ahead and offers the sacrifices. And when Samuel comes, he goes, oh my, I thought you would be a king for a long time, but instead I see rebellion is in you. Later on, he rebels against God when the Lord tells him, I want you to wipe out all the spoil from your battle and not let anything live or keep any for yourself. But instead, Saul decides that it's wiser to keep some and to keep some of the leadership and not kill them and to keep some of the spoils. And whenever the man of God arrives, he says, you did not obey God. And he said, I fully obeyed God. And he said, you've not obeyed God. What is this bleeding of sheep that I hear? And he says, the kingdom's going to be removed from you and given to a man who has a heart after me. Disobedience. And he looks at old Saul and he says to him, the man of God, Samuel. And he said, to obey is better than sacrifice. Amen. My friends, you can come and bring your offerings and you can bring your worship and you can bring your songs and you can bring your music, but if your heart's in disobedience, you can't worship the Messiah. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? When we disobey him, Jesus said there's two different men that built on two different foundations. Both of them heard the word of God, but one obeyed what he heard, and his life is like a house was built on a rock, and the rains descended, and the floods rose up, and the winds burst against the house, but it stood because it was founded on the rock. But another hears the word but doesn't obey it. He's like a man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, floods came up, the winds burst against that house. But it fell, and great was its fall. What's the difference between the two lives? All, both of them heard the word of God, but one obeyed the word and applied it in his life. Are you walking in obedience to God? You will not find forgiveness, and you will not find wholeness, 
and you will not find the joy of the Lord living in disobedience. Amen? Now, some of you here today that you haven't obeyed the Lord and being baptized as a believer. You think that you're okay. You think that that's beneath you. You think that it's optional. It is not optional. The Bible says, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us who claims Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior needs to be baptized. Identifying yourself with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've never been baptized today, I ask you today, let's schedule your baptism and be baptized. Secondly, disobedience in assembling together and gathering with believers and worshiping God. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the habit of some. Instead, you need to be faithful in your worship and faithful in community and faithful in Bible study and faithful in caring for one another. You need to be faithful in your service and your giving. God has saved you and gifted you and empowered you to serve in the life of his church. 1 John 5, 3 says, For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Secondly, how do we celebrate the Messiah? When you give of your resources. When you give of your resources. Now, something very interesting. It says in this passage of Scripture, it says that they came and they asked, Uh, What are you doing with this animal, this donkey? And uh, they simply said, the Lord has need of it. And notice in Mark's gospel, chapter number 11, Mark's gospel, chapter number 11, verse 5 and 6, what the scripture says. It says, and some of those standing there said, what are you doing untying that colt? And they answered them just as Jesus had said, so they let them go. Now notice those words, so they let them go. They invested and they gave. These owners of these animals are unnamed, but they helped celebrate the Messiah. Their gift was a blessing to the Lord. Their gift helped enable praise, and their gift fulfilled Scripture. And and, uh, in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, it says, The king comes riding on a colt, on a foal of a donkey. And he he is, is a fulfillment of Scripture, their gift is. Jesus calls us to live a life of giving and a life of serving. Now, Jesus himself did not come to be served. Jesus said to his own disciples, whenever they're trying to jockey about their position and their authority and their their place in the kingdom, he said, listen to me. He said, "That's that's how the Gentiles think. But that's not the way you ought to think. He said, because the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus came to serve. 
Jesus says he'll say in just a few short days in the upper room with those disciples when he's washed their feet and then he girds, him, then, uh, girds himself, comes like a servant, washes their feet, and after he's finished and puts his robes back on, he says to him, you call me Lord and Master, and so I am. But if I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, so you ought to wash one another's feet. Amen. What is he saying? He's saying followers of Christ are ministers. That means they're servants. They have a place to serve and give. Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his own cross. What is a cross? It's an instrument of death. He said, take up your own cross. Be willing to die to yourself and live to me. Live for other people. It's giving. Giving is a response of trust. It's a response of trust. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse number 38, says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure. Listen to what it says. Press down. Do you ever want to just kind of overfill a container? So you, you press it down, and then you shake it, and then it's running over, and it'd be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Listen, you can't outgive God. Those old boys said yes to taking those two animals, and they got the greatest blessing of their life because those animals helped usher in the Messiah. Let me tell you what, some of you are holding on tight. You're holding on to tight. You're holding on to things. You're not serving God. You're not giving to God. You're holding on tight. I'm holding on tight to my retirement. I'm holding on tight to my retirement. I'm going to live the life I want to live. Really? Really? God called you to serve him to the end of your days. Now you can quit down at the factory. That's good. We'll celebrate that. But you don't quit in your service to God. Amen. Serve him. Thirdly, when you passionately praise the Lord, we are celebrating the Messiah when we passionately praise him. They said, Hosanna. The word Hosanna means save us now. Lord, save. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord from Psalm 119. And with loud voices, they're praising him. For all the miracles they had seen, it says in Luke chapter 19 and verse 37 and 38. They are praising him. They're celebrating him with loud voices. God is so good what he has done for us. Psalm 150 verse number 6 says, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Now I want to ask you, listen to me. Are you praising God. Are you celebrating in him? They celebrated with actions. They were taking off their garments and laying them before him. They took branches and they cut them and waved them before him. They raised their voices. They used their words. And they shared their testimony. Blessed is he who comes into the Lord. 
I know he's the Messiah because he saved me. I know he's the Messiah because he released the demon that had a hold of me. I know he's Messiah because I used to be suicidal and using drugs and he saved me. I know he's the Messiah because he healed my marriage. I know he's the Messiah because he raised my brother to death from death. How many of y'all believe that Jesus Christ is Messiah? Then will you praise him? Will you celebrate in him? Will you lift your voice to him? Praise is a response to salvation. Praise is an indicator of faith. And praise is a liberator from fear. Do you know who hates praise? Exactly right. You know who wants to hinder you from praising God? The evil one. Now listen to me. The evil one always tries to hinder praise and deflect glory from Jesus. Always. Listen, watch the way he tries to stifle this praise. Notice they are praising and lifting their voices to God and praise and and, and guess who gets aggravated? The critics. There's always going to be critics when you start praising God passionately. Hmm. Remember when David started dancing before the Lord, praising passionately? Who was his critic? His own wife. Sometimes the critics are really close. Sometimes they're in the church. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 19... In verse number 40, verse 39 says, they were saying, verse 38, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees, now this is the religious leadership, scholars. From the crowd told him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. He said, if they don't praise me, we'll have a rock concert right here. He wants to hinder praise. The evil one doesn't want Jesus Christ magnified. And he'll do whatever it takes in you to keep you from magnifying King Jesus. He wants to stifle your praise. He likes to stifle and hinder prayer. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, we have the story of Bartimaeus on the side of the road. And he's crying out on the side of the road in Jericho, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's blind, he can't see, but he knows and he believes that Jesus was the son of David and he could have mercy on him and change his life. What do they do? They try to shush him. Hush, stop, quiet, pipe down, loser, pipe down. But oh, in the throng of people, the master heard the one calling his name.
And he said, bring him to me. And he said, what do you want? He said, I want to see again. And Jesus healed him. And his life's forever changed. I can't believe that old Bartimaeus isn't in the throng of those who are praising Jesus that day. Oh, there's always people that want to shut you up. They try to hinder you, hinder your prayer life, hinder your praise life. They like to hinder children. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 21, Jesus comes into the city of Jerusalem as he comes down that winding road through the Kidron Valley, the Garden of Gethsemane, makes his way up to the walled gate of the city and comes inside of the city. And notice, when he comes inside of the city, the children are praising God and they're celebrating In chapter 21, notice in verse 15 and 16, the chief priests and scribes saw the wonders that he did and the children shouting in the temple, what are they saying? Hosanna to the son of David. They are indignant. They said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? Jesus said, yes. Have you never read? You have prepared praise from the mouths of infants and nursing babies. Don't try to hinder the children from coming to him. I love how children learn to worship. How children love to worship God and lift their voices to him. Jesus said, do not prevent the children from coming unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. We need to love Jesus like a child in sweet surrender and abandon to him. They try to hinder the hurting. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, verse number 14, it says, The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. They're coming, and they're praising God, but they tried to stifle them. They tried, let me tell you what the the enemy wants to do. He wants to hinder your testimony. After the resurrection of Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit and the day of Pentecost, the disciples are preaching powerfully in Acts 2. Acts chapter 4, we see persecution coming against the church, early signs of what's going to happen. They bring Peter and John before them and say, you are no longer to proclaim, or act anymore, speak anymore, do these miracles anymore in Jesus' name. We're warning you, don't talk anymore. Now, who's warning him? The very same ones that had Jesus condemned to death. They're looking at Peter, Peter before who was weak and betrayed the, uh, denied the Lord. But now Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit and resurrection power in his life, looks at them, those authorities, and they said, you no longer speak in that name. And he said, brothers, I don't care who you are or how big you are, my king defeated death and rose again. And I will speak. We can't help but speak in his name. Let me tell you what the enemy wants to do. He wants to shut you down. And he wants to shut your voice down. And he wants to shut your praise down. But he is a liar. And you celebrate Jesus when you refuse to stifle your praise You refuse to be hindered in your prayer life. You refuse to hinder children. You refuse to hinder helping the hurting and helping them know Christ. And you refuse to hinder your own testimony. You're boldly proclaiming Jesus Christ. If I refuse to sing and worship, who is behind that? 
I've known people before, they walk into church. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to worship. Not my kind of music. What's behind that? Who's behind that? Who's behind that? It's not the spirit. Let me tell you what, if you're not real careful, you supplant Jesus off the throne and you put your own preference on the throne. Amen. The questions about what we sing, it ought to be, is it Christ honoring? Is it God, is it God exalting? Is it true? We have such a misunderstanding because we don't have any understanding of history and, the, and how hymns come into the church. Word hymn is just a Latin word, means a song of praise. Somehow we think that the Baptist hymnal was written at the same time as the New Testament. It's just not true. Early singing in the church was the Psalms, primarily. And we have bits and pieces of little hymns that are in our New Testament. In the Middle Ages, most of the singing was chanting. Later, later with the invention of the printing press and Luther, they began to sing more songs from the heart. The liberator of music singing from the heart to God and writing what was considered them to be modern hymns was Isaac Watts and then the Wesleys. And this and then later, God help us, country music and gospel music came into our world. And it enables us to sing with feeling and emotion and praise to God. And in these days, there's an explosion of mighty songs and hymns being written, and some really bad ones being written, too. Don't let the enemy steal your praise. Worship him. Adore him. Sing to him. Amen? Well, some of that I didn't have written down, but... I won't charge you any extra. You say, yeah, well, I can't praise God. You don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't. But I know whatever you're going through doesn't prohibit you from praising God. In the 16th chapter of Acts, we find Paul and Silas beaten by, in rods, falsely accused and thrown into prison in the stocks at midnight, their bodies welted by being beaten, probably freezing cold, and in their stocks and chains, they are singing praises to God. I received a videotape of one of my brothers in Ukraine this week.
and in a bombed out city, huddled together, scores of believers singing praise to God in the midst of war. What's your excuse again for not praising God? Sometimes it's just my attitude stinks. Anybody ever have a stinky attitude here? Oh, man, me. you don't have to raise hands. Don't point fingers. No, 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 no. I'll tell on my story from a long time ago. I was having one of those days. I, we were going. I know I had the kids all with me for some reason. Christy wasn't with me. I don't know why. And, uh, but I had all four of the kids with me. And I was driving a minivan. We wore out four minivans. And so anyway, all of the kids were in the car, and the girls were little, and they were sitting in the very back. And uh, Andy was sitting next to me, the oldest one, and then Brad was in the middle. And, and so uh, I'm driving. I'm kind of grouchy about stuff. I got a lot of stuff on my mind. And, and the kids want to put some music on. And so they start singing a song by Rich Mullins. It's how old this is. And it was singing Awesome God. Y'all know that song. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, uh, wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Amen. And it just repeats it, repeats it, repeats it, repeats it. And so they're singing. And the girls are singing in the back of the band, and they're singing, Our God is an awesome God. And the music's playing in the car. And and I look in my rearview mirror, and I'm thinking about whatever, and I, I, I'm not singing. And I look, and both girls are bouncing in the back, and they're singing, Our God is an awesome God, and they're doing this. And they're singing with hand motions. And then one of the girls says, Daddy, you're not singing. And I said, I don't want to sing. But I didn't say that. I said, okay. And so I started singing just to, so they... Be quiet. Uh, singing. And then I look back, and then Brad's even singing. And then I look up at Andy, I said, let's sing. And Andy starts singing. And then we're all going down the band, and I'm singing. And next thing I know, I'm, we're all praising God in the little minivan going down the road. Because our God is an awesome God. He reigns. He rules. He's an awesome God. I don't know what circumstances are in your life. But when we celebrate the Messiah, we celebrate him when we walk in obedience. We celebrate him when we give and we serve. We celebrate him when we give testimony to his greatness. And we celebrate him when we use our words and our songs to worship the Messiah. Amen. Are you celebrating Jesus? Some of you can't celebrate him because you don't know him as your Savior. Today you can be saved. Second question I want to ask you, are you obeying Jesus? When did you stop? Why did you stop? Don't tell me that Jesus is your Lord if you don't obey him. Thirdly, are you trusting him? Fourthly, are you praising him? Fifthly, are you witnessing about him? 
On this Palm Sunday, we're thinking about all that Jesus would do for us. And as Jesus faced forward to the cross, it was right that God's people and the Spirit of God moved those people to praise him as he entered into Jerusalem. God is right here today. Let's praise the Lord. Father in heaven, have your way in our hearts and our lives this day. Father, we turn from our wickedness and sin and self-absorbed. Self-centered and self-focused attitude and outlook. We raise our eyes and we look on Jesus and our hearts are moved with praise for all that you've done for us. Lord, may we magnify you this day. Worship you from the heart. In Jesus' name.